If you've ever got a student to do something by calling it a game, you might be a teacher. Being a teacher sometimes means finding ways around limitations, problems, or struggles to keep things on track. We learn to improvise and adapt. But when it comes to teaching language arts in our school, we don't have to find workarounds. Loyola Press took the long view when they created Voyages in English, the brilliant K-8 language arts program. The fundamentals of grammar and writing that students learn enable them to become effective writers, which can help improve performance on standardized tests and grow into successful communicators. The flexible framework of Voyages in English is adaptable to any teaching style and any student's abilities. With practice, the mechanics build in complexity over time. It just all works together. Visit voyagesinenglish.com to learn more, then order a sample. With Voyages in English, there are no crazy workarounds, just solid help for today's language arts teachers. Catholic Teachers Lounge with Jill and Colleen. Welcome to the Catholic Teachers Lounge, the only podcast by Catholic school teachers for Catholic school teachers. Thank you to Loyola Press for sponsoring us and for you, the teachers, for doing what you do every day. We are so grateful to collaborate with you. My name is Colleen McCoy-Sika, and I'm here with Jill Annabelle, and we're back in the teacher's lounge because the conversation we were having yesterday about <laughs> digital and a hard copy reading got cut off in the middle, and we had to head back to class, and we're back because we feel like we didn't finish the conversation. So in true Catholic teacher's lounge form, we're going to pick up that conversation where we left off because now we've actually had time to stew about it some more. And I think that we were just kind of getting to the point about some of the things that we were talking about. And we were talking about using digital text and using hard copy text and basically talking about what the research says about it. Jill shared with us some of her preferences on how she uses digital text and hard copy text. And, you know, and then the the time kind of kind of got away from us. So I want to pick up there, Jill. And, you know, the thing is like, even though you and I might have preferences and you used that word in the last conversation, mm-hmm. you use the word preferences. It is important that people understand what their preferences are, but also the importance of knowing how the brain is responding to different media. I personally, I probably listen to more things than I read definitely for pleasure. So if I read a book for pleasure, it's I'm the, I'm the world's slowest reader. My brain ruminates on the words and creates the visual images. I get so attached to the characters when I do that but I will listen to books on audible or through the library. And I listen to it on 1.5 speed and I just consume the story. Oh no. So we have a whole new debate now is whether, (laughs) whether listening to a book counts as reading a book. I've had this debate with people. I love audiobooks. I love audiobooks. I love hearing other people read out loud to me. I really Mm -hmm. enjoy that. Uh, I like to think that those books count in my total count of books I've read. And I, uh, anyway, so that's, that's my position on that one. Audiobooks count. Now here's the thing. We grew up reading paper books. So yes. our entire conversation here is about us as adult learners. We are, we are scholars, we are teachers, we are professionals. That is completely different than how we teach kids. So how we're talking in the lounge about our own lives is way different, whole different world than being an adult responsible for teaching kids how to read and how to use books to learn things. So 
Well, let me ask you this. So were you, yeah. Were you an avid reader as a kid? Like I remember going out to dinner with my parents and I would stick a book. I would read, choose your own adventure books and encyclopedia Brown books all the time. I would always have one with me and I was always reading anytime I had a quiet moment. Please recall that back in Advent, I shared that I had a list of my <laughs> Christmas books and I read them in order oh, of my yeah. preference of them so that I could read every day in Advent in preparation for Christmas. So, so you yes, and I love reading reader. anyway. So do you see that? Do you see oh, that now? Yeah. Like, do you see kids on oh, yeah. airplanes? I'm on airplanes oh, all yeah. the time and I see kids with iPads in front of their faces and it makes me crazy. Oh, I don't know. I see kids with books too, though. So I want to believe they're still good in the world and bookstores are still busy. You know, they, yes, books are happening. I'm not, I'm not worried about the pleasure reading part. If you're in a family of readers, you're going to be a reader. Like I, I am not worried about that. Yeah. Yep. I am concerned though. And I don't have a strong preference about where this all lands, except that we need to be intentional in classrooms about this we, you know, mm-hmm. it is very easy to end up in a classroom with no physical books in it and assume that reading something digitally is the way to learn. And it's also, it's also a struggle because if you've been the one responsible for purchasing curriculum, you know that you need to make decisions about whether you want the physical books or the digital copy or both and access on tablets or Chromebooks or whatever, and then access to the physical copies of books. Like this is the ongoing conversation every time you're making a curriculum decision in a classroom. So now my mind is starting to go to students who struggle with learning how to read. And so I really want to learn more, honestly, like, but, but listening to Dr. Wolf talk about that too, and she's a dyslexia specialist and, you know, so it's, it's the purposefulness of using hard copy, um, reading, but when you're teaching children how to read and Jill, I have to admit, I was never taught how to teach children to read. I'm a secondary trained. I taught junior high and high school. I am more of that. You know, I think, I think I mentioned in our last conversation, you know, there's the phase of students learning to read. And then there's the reading to learn. Reading and to I, learn. I, you know, I, I'm in the read to learn category. That's where my training lies. Yes. So when I think about students who are learning how to read, and there are specific ways that that is supposed to be done, how does the brain respond to digital as opposed to hard copy when there is a genuine, like a reading disability mm-hmm. in play? And I don't know how to answer that. So uh, me neither, but let's stay in the, in the reading to learn camp for a minute. Okay. So- yep. So let's just say back into middle school, high school, like, you know, and a lot of times that's the switch, that's whichever happens like in uh third, fourth, fifth grade kind of world. That's when you start to, you, you know, how to read. Now you're, you're using those words to learn new things. Okay. So yes, mm-hmm. those grades and above, if you're trying to learn something new, should you be doing that with a digital text or should you be doing that with a physical book? Mm. Like, well, and I don't, I don't think we should like get back out the encyclopedias. Like, I don't, I don't mm. think. <laughs> I don't think that's where we're, I'm not going to like purchase new encyclopedia sets for my school. No, I would not recommend that. <laughs> Even though I was an encyclopedia reader as a child too, because I was apparently super nerd. So I did do that, but no, I, that's not a good investment. And so, so, but that, that just goes to prove you can find anything you want by typing it into a search engine, right? Right. So you can find the information and that's, that's what you want to skim. Like you're looking for a factoid, you're looking for a a particular date, or you want to read somebody's biography. You just like, look it up, you skim it. You're like, oh, okay. Got it. 
That's right. not immersive reading though. No. And uh, right. Okay. That's very true. And if in like a social studies classroom, you're going back to primary sources and you want to see mm-hmm. like, you don't, you know, every, everything else is secondary, including textbooks. So if you are using primary sources as your baseline and interpretation of primary sources as, you know, your secondary sources, then I think there's a both. And like, I would imagine whole units of study where you are doing I don't know. Some things are printed in front of students and then other things you're doing quick searches for, or you're leading them toward a digital source. So what's the value of those original sources? And, and I'm, what I'm recalling right now in my memory is a teacher, her name was Kristen Ellis. She was a Catholic school teacher. She's now a public school teacher, but um, she would do an activity with her students where they would need to study. I think it was like a specific time period. And we had a full collection in our in our, our gigantic library of like all of the, you know, time magazines or national geographic magazines, but we had Newsweeks, you know, so you go back to that particular time period and you look at the print copy of that particular time period. There's something to be said for that, that you can't find in a search engine. Oh, sure. You can. So you can find primary, so like scanned primary sources of anything. Like, uh, I did a civil war historical fiction writing, uh, in collaboration with the social studies teacher. And you could find, I forget the websites, but you can find those primary sources, journals, documents, immigration records. Like you can find all kinds of things online. It's a digital copy of the primary source. So it's a source. picture of the primary picture source. Picture of the primary it's source. It's a picture of the primary source still. It's not the same as holding it. It's not the same as seeing it. Okay, but you're not going <laughs> to actually hold it anyway. It's going to be a it's going to be a print of you don't like actually have the primary sources. We actually did have the primary sources though, and that was that was the whole point. So, yeah. I, I got to cling to it, man. I, I'm all about the primary sources. I'm Gen X, you're millennial. Let's just call it oh, a day. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's the bell. So there goes our, <laughs> there goes our time again. Um, it is time to get back to class and there are always more ideas than time to celebrate them, but we are certainly going to do our best to try and we're going to have fun in the process. We drop episodes three days per week throughout the school year. So send your ideas and share the love with your fellow teachers. Go to catholicteacherslounge.com. The Catholic Teachers Lounge is your haven of hope to exchange ideas and affirm your efforts. And we will see you next time.